January 1st. It's the eighth day since Mary had her baby. For us, it's the time between Christmas and New Year's. It's been Christmas vacation time, kind of fun. For Mary, her whole world changed. Enter with me into Mary's world. Imagine going through these last seven days with a newborn who is sweet, yes, but also vulnerable and needy. Notice that you're not in your cozy home surrounded by your loving and helpful family. Rather, you're in a stable with just your husband who, like you, has never been a parent before. See the city with all its commotion swollen with people who are there because of the census. A city where you and Joseph, during the last seven days, have had to locate someone who can do the rite of circumcision and the rite of naming. Today is the eighth day when those rites have to happen. What a name Jesus was given. The angel told Joseph in his dream to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So after the circumcision and the naming rites, you start as Mary, anticipating the purification rites coming up in 32 days. It'll be a two-day walk, which could be kind of hard over mountainous terrain. And you have to get, when you're there, a lamb or a pigeon or a turtle dove, whatever you can afford, and give it to the priest at the temple so that you can be declared clean. By the time of purification, will at last be an atonement sacrifice for you, declaring you clean after giving birth. During this 32-day run-up to the big walk, maybe you and Joseph found temporary housing in Bethlehem. Maybe you two made the three-hour journey back to Nazareth to see your family. We don't know any of these details. No mother or father or aunt or cousin are mentioned. For sure, you're in Bethlehem when the wise men visit and present presents to your baby, the Son of the Most High, Jesus. You and Joseph have had to make a lot of decisions in these last seven days and anticipate how you're going to handle the next weeks forward. And then comes the jolting curveball. Your husband has another one of his dreams. Great. You have to move to Egypt, far, far away, so that Herod doesn't find you. And you and your family and all the friends that are helpful and familiar will not be with you. You'll have to walk maybe four days to cover the 30-mile journey. That takes you just over the border into Egypt. And you'll do the journey with your baby and whatever little belongings you do have. In Egypt, you'll be a stranger in a strange land with a newborn. A stranger in a strange land with no connections, no family, no job, no home. You'll have to figure out all of that. A stranger in a strange land from which your ancestors fled because it was so terrible. That's where you're going. 
It makes me anxious even to think about what Mary and Joseph were going through in the dislocation and uncertainty of those early first months of parenting Jesus. And it makes me wonder what kept Mary and Joseph resolved and calm and obedient as they fulfilled their yes to follow and obey God. What helped them stay at yes? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at how they got to yes in the first place. Ken and Ross, three weeks ago, talked about some criteria. I introduced a couple of more last two weeks ago. And we looked at some helpful tools, these helpful tools for making decisions. Today, wonder with me what it takes for us to stay at yes. Well, let's look at our role models. What helped Mary and Joseph stay at yes? For starters, they had a whole history of religious belief and practice to propel them. They had a whole wonderful God to lean on. So they followed the Jewish law and ceremonies. Simply put, they did the next right thing. They did the next right thing. Carl Jung, who most famously originated this phrase, the next right thing, meant it as a rule of thumb for independent, intuitive-driven life. But for us Christians, and for Mary and Joseph, doing the next right thing meant leaning into God. What are his ways? What are his instructions? What does he have to say? On the eighth day after Jesus' birth, what we call the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, the next right thing was getting their son circumcised and officially named so that he could live into the destiny that had been entrusted to him. He had to suffer pain and shed blood, albeit just a drop, to be set apart as a Jew, part of the chosen people of God. Done. The next right thing entailed taking Jesus on the destiny of his name to save his people. He took on the name, done. Forty days after his birth, the next right thing was to get married to the temple in Jerusalem to be purified. Afterwards, in obedience to the Lord in Joseph's second dream, the next right thing was to flee to Egypt. By doing the next right thing, one foot in front of the other, one moment at a time, one day at a time, Mary and Joseph knew what they had to do. They could stay with yes through these means. They would, and this is something we can do, trust in the Lord with all their hearts and lean not on their own understanding. In all their ways, they'd acknowledge him and he would direct their paths. And some of our young ones sang that very song, trust in the Lord with all your strength. We, we lived with that verse for six weeks in children's ministry. We can live with that verse as adults to help us. Mary and Joseph had the law and the prophets to guide them. They had daily and weekly prayer and worship traditions to keep them close to God, to keep them staying at yes. What do we have? What do we have? Today is the first day of 2023, and a new year of unknowns spreads out in front of us. 
And while we don't have Mary and Joseph's specific challenges and their specific traditions, each of us does have their pressures which clamor for our attention. There are challenges. But we also have, like them, worship traditions and spiritual life practices that can support and strengthen us. Like Mary and Joseph, we have daily and weekly prayers and worship traditions to keep us close to God. In addition to the law and the prophets, we also have the great news of the entire New Testament and surpassing the retributive justice system of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, we have Jesus as Savior, forgiving our sins, our missing the marks, if we humble ourselves enough before God to ask him to forgive us. And we have the benefit of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We each have the Holy Spirit inside us at baptism. All these gifts from God help us stay with yes because they help us to be mindful of God and stay close to him. Taken together, we see, and I'm going to use a nautical expression, a lot of pilings that hold up the docks of our lives. We have a lot of structures to help us stay with yes. But, we might ask, how do we get an answer to our individual questions? What is my next right thing? We can pray, we can read scriptures, we can be in community, we can worship and serve the Lord in 2023. That's general and very important. But we each have that, but what about me? What's, what's my answer? I have some questions. <laughs> to find God's answer for you the next right thing for you. I invite you to take the two handouts that are in the back, right before you exit the room. There's a little welcome table with the church building on it, and there are two handouts there. One of them is an examine of conscience that's from Leadership Transformations, Inc., which is right here housed at the seminary. It takes you through a year-end review of 2022. Where we come from can be part of the continuum that God is building as to where we're going. So we don't want to just have a China, you know, just a a wall in between all of that, and now we're totally starting at zero. We're not starting at zero. We're part of a continuum. The second sheet is a questionnaire. It's like an assessment thing for the state of your soul. We can lean into Jesus with these assessments because we'll find out, how are we? How are we? It asks questions like, how tired are you? How distracted? What's going on? And we can see, it's like a calibration of one to four. We can see, oh my gosh, I racked up way too many points on being tired Way too many points on being too busy. But I'm really doing well on this other thing. You can take what it reveals to prayer to God. And if the thing is hard, like like how much time do you actually spend praying with God or spending one-on-one time with him, just talking to him. It doesn't have to be all liturgical, just talking with him. 
Um, and if that seems too hard to do, then great. That's great. Just bring that to him. God, this is too hard for me. How can I start? He will walk at your pace, which is one of those beautiful things about God through the Holy Spirit. Both the examine and the how are you questions invite us to be sort of quiet, to quiet our souls before God. When we do that, we allow his nearness and care to surround us. When we sort of do a one Mississippi, two Mississippi, breathe Mississippi, ah, we can be still. Let's pray. Oh Lord, in this new year, help us to lean into you. Once a year and only once, the whole world stands still to celebrate the advent of a life. Only Jesus of Nazareth claims this worldwide undying remembrance. Help us to lean into Jesus this year. O Lord, you have given us your scriptures to learn your ways and discover your unwavering love. Help us to lean into your lean into your word this year. Lord, you have given us a community of faith within which we can worship and serve and be the body of Christ. Help us to lean into the body of Christ this year. Pour out your love on all flesh. Open the hearts and minds and schedules and lives of each one of us in this room today and to those of us who are with us online. We ask these things in Jesus' sacrificing beautiful name. Amen.